the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the best of investing on AM 1220 KDOW, the show that brings you valuable information about real estate, the financial markets, and other economic business of the day. Your host, Edward Brown, is a nationally recognized expert on money and investing who has appeared on CNN and has published numerous articles in national business magazines and newspapers. Now, your host for the best of investing, Edward Brown. Welcome. You're listening to The Best of Investing. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Mark Honf and Nam Phan of Pacific Private Money. Our phone number is 888-912-1190. Use that number to answer the trivia questions for a five-pack tanning certificate given away during this show. That certificate's not sponsored by the radio station, but by Tan Bella Tanning Salon with two locations in San Francisco and one in Marin. Today's trivia theme is entertainment. I want to make a quick mention here. Do you guys remember Go Girl, that energy drink? I do. I yeah. love that drink. It's only got five calories. Uh, and it's it's sugar free, gives you lots of energy, and doesn't uh, give you any crash. And uh, you, you go, can, girl. You go, yeah. girl. Yeah, I'm a guy, but Are I they like sponsoring it. Sponsoring it. Um, yeah, they, they give a little sponsorship here and That's they, uh, yeah, you can get them in, uh, like Safeway and Ralph's and, uh, Lucky's and all that other fun stuff. So check, check it out. It's actually go girl. It's a, they say drink for the cause and drink for the taste. Cause they give a percentage away to breast cancer. Your, your voice has been going up a couple <laughs> octaves since you started pounding this stuff again. No, it's talking fast. No, but yeah, that's right. You see <laughs> all this great energy I have. It's, it's, it's my go girl. All right. Uh, Nam, you got some uh, articles for us. Yeah. So we attended the uh, national association of realtor conference mark and i did a couple weeks ago actually it feels like a couple weeks ago was it last weekend it was last week we actually did three um three conferences in a row we did the national association of realtors we did the american association of private lenders and then we did uh the non-qm for non-qualified mortgage uh lender the first annual conference in uh, beverly hills and i I love the the apple one because it's aapl which isn't that the symbol for apple computer it, I, no. The stock ticker. The stock ticker. Oh, I, don't I, don't I think know. it is. <laughs> so we, uh, you know, so NAR National Association of Realtors, they spent buku bucks on their convention. I mean, it was like the Moscone Center, multiple huge. buildings, and then we go to our cute little mortgage events, which is like <laughs> one room with about uh, eight exhibitors. But uh, you know, there's a lot going on in the residential real estate space. There are a lot of vendors there, a lot of um, people who are really interested in our bridge loan. Um, so it's something that we'll be talking about, I think, more and more on these shows because a lot of our listeners, I think, are fit the demographic of, I think, people who will need the type of loans that we do, which is ones where they can allows them to buy a home before selling their current home. A lot of downsizers. But uh, one of the articles or legislation that uh, NAR passed internally uh, is around pocket listings. And if you are a homeowner or buyer who has a realtor in your network who's a top realtor, chances are when you go looking for a home, you look in the MLS um, as a place to see all the listings, but you're probably also talking to your realtor to get the secret listings, ones that have not been put on the market. The off-market listings. The off-market listings. And that's been a growing phenomenon. And uh, 
what the NAR passed was um, putting some kind of crippling that uh, ability to do a pocket listing, which is to essentially pre-sell it before it goes on the mainstream multiple listing service, kind of that secret uh, listing. Secret handshake. Yeah, that's between between top realtors and their clients. And um, I think that's a good thing in in some ways. I'd love to hear feedback from from others. But essentially, with pocket listings, you're not getting full exposure um, because it's not going on the multiple listing service. So so the argument that NAR presented is that it's basically not – it's bad for consumers. It's bad for consumers because it's not giving you full exposure to the World Wide Web. Um, so they're saying you're. you're they still call it that. So that's what www stands for. But they're saying you know by not having it online and you know on all of the listing portals, then you're not getting as many people who potentially would be able to offer more. So on the flip side, why were there pocket listings? There were pocket listings because, um, you know, real estate is such a street-to-street business, uh, and really good realtors really know a marketplace and who potentially um, the buyers are in a marketplace. Usually they have a sphere of people who are interested and say, hey, when a home becomes available in this neighborhood – I'd like to be, you know, know as early as possible. And so the home I live in now that I bought um, a year ago summer uh, was an off-market listing. I guess that's called a pocket listing. Mm -hmm. So it never went on the market. And um, it was shown to me as a result of me um, researching and then choosing who I thought were like like a top team of real estate agents in that particular community. And they proceeded to show me all kinds of homes, some that were on market and some that were off market. And in fact, they turned me on to a service called alto.com. Yes. And I know if you're a realtor, mm-hmm. you know exactly what that is. And that's like the, you know, it's an email you get uh, that says, hey, another another off market listing is available. And, and sometimes there's pictures, sometimes there's, you know. Uh, well, well, let me ask you, I, I guess the benefit is a, le- a lower commission, right? Because if it's a pocket listing, then there's theoretically, unless you hire someone to represent yourself, there's only one side of the transaction for a no company. no no so with the buyer's agent. no <laughs> well then then yeah. where, where's the advantage to the seller of the house well i'm not a realtor but what my realtor told me was that there are there are people in certain well i, I was going to say economic status but it's not necessarily <laughs> rich people but there are certain people that just don't want they're very secretive about their private right. business. Gotcha. They don't, they want, don't want a for sale sign. And, they, yeah. it, in fact, it, I, I can well, understand this because yeah. my wife's a little mm-hmm. bit like this. She, yeah. It's nobody's business what she's doing with her life. And, and sometimes mm-hmm. putting your home on the market and having a big for sale sign out yeah. there can be one of the most and, embarrassing. We've got a lot of looky lose from yes. all the neighbors yes, exactly. and then people so stealing something from the house. We can talk about it. All after. right. We're going to come to our first commercial break here. Uh, first trivia question, talking entertainment. Uh, who played the captain of the fishing boat in the movie The Perfect Storm? Call 888-912-1190. First caller with the correct answer is going to win that tanning certificate. Uh, let's see here. Want to make a quick mention for uh, this holiday season, invite you to share the magic as we enliven your heart and send your spirits high. Join us at Transcendence Broadway Holiday Spectacular. I went there last year, Luther Burbank Center in Santa Rosa. Really cool. Check them out. That's the Transcendence Theater Holiday Spectacular. Bestnightever.org. Stay with us. The best of investing. We'll be right back. For more information on today's topic, call Edward Brown directly at 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. The best of investing will continue in a moment 
on AM 1220 KDOW. Now, back to the best of investing with your host, Edward Brown, on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back to the best of investing. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Hunt and Nam Vaughn of Pacific Private Money, my co-host. First trivia question was, who played the captain of the fishing boat in the movie The Perfect Storm? George Clooney. George Clooney, that is correct. George of the Jungle. Yeah. A little different. So we were talking about um, pocket listings yeah. in the last uh, session, and Mark was talking about how um, he found his listing. And, you know, I'll tell you, so one of the pros of, of pocket listings or off-market listings is for the seller because a lot of sellers just don't want people, like you were saying, traipsing through their home uh, at an open house. And I totally get that. I don't want, uh, I, you know, I'm kind of a private person when we list our house. I just want random people walking through. Yeah, and and you know if you go to the A A L T O Alto uh, website, it, it says a different way to buy and sell homes. Welcome to the private real estate market, and it says uh, it, it just talks about um, all of the people and the reasons why one might not want to you know have it uh, listed publicly with a sign out front and do open homes, etc. Not that I think this pocket listing rule from the NAR is going to force people to do that. But I guess it's, uh, it's whether or not it has to be listed on the, on the uh, MLS. I mean, the seller, for, should, yeah. the seller should decide once he, you know, when, once it's full disclosure, right. the seller should have a right to say, well, I don't want it listed. Yeah. And I think what they're doing is they're going to say, you can't have it off market, but you have to have it um, on market with a, within a certain time period. Right. So maybe you can have it off market for two weeks. And then after that, it has to go on the MLS. Well, I will say there is as someone who has sold a lot of real estate uh, uh, and and Edward, you have as well. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that annoy the heck out of me when it comes to selling real estate, especially flip properties. And I have clients who I lend money to that put properties on the market. And for whatever reason, maybe it's not priced properly, either by themselves or the agent or some some glitch or there's a, a report that's discovered that requires you to kind of take it off the market and do some repairs. You know, the whole days on market thing and, and when, a, when a property is, you know, long on the days on market, it gets the, the stigma. And I'm right. just, I'm so tired of hearing that kind of nonsense. A property is worth what it's worth and it shouldn't be worth less because it has a stigma of being days on market. So I, I get that and that's one of the many things that you know, when you go to a, a service like uh, uh, like off-market uh, properties that uh, the realtors will, will, will tell you. So you, know, you can avoid that whole off-market, you know, or that whole well, days on market Hold on, hold on. I, I kind of get that though. If you think about it, if a house hasn't sold for... 60 days, let's say, now, mm-hmm. nowadays market, right? You kind of wonder, it's got to be price, right? I mean, for some price, even Not if it's... Necessarily. A, well, no, no, because here's my point. Even if it's a really funky property, at some price, someone's going to buy it. Sure. $6,000, yeah. it'll sell, right? Yeah. Yeah. So price has to be a major factor. So I can kind of understand when someone, you know, if, if it's been on the market for a really long time, Someone said, well, it's obviously it's overpriced. So then I can tell Edward, you actually haven't uh, fallen victim to this. And I will tell you that I have many times and it's a big, it's a big deal. And it's very upsetting to have a home 
that clearly you know what the value is worth. You're not being stupid about it. You, you've got you've got real real world comps, but something funky happened in the way it was initially put on the market. Or like I said, oftentimes um, you know the the buyer's reports come back and and there's something that would maybe you didn't even know about. Or economically, let's say interest rates. Something scary goes on in the so, world. I mean, there's now a lot of things that can totally happen, different. but the, but yeah. the days on market game that gets played and that uh, homeowners fall victim to. I guess that just, I'm just saying that that's yeah. one other reason. And it's not a small reason that oftentimes I think people want to sell their home off market. Um, they want a, a different category of buyer coming in, not ones whose agents are going to play games with them. Yeah. And okay. also Fair the days on market too. One of the impact is one thing that could influence that is if it went into contract and it was in escrow for a while and then the borrower had to back out because oh, they couldn't get financing. Yeah. And, and so, you know, if you're looking to buy a home, you should re- really be talking to the realtor. Your wait, wait, realtor. So does that just continue on the yes, days of market? Absolutely. Okay, so the, okay, so that's absolutely. a very, very good point. So that, then, you have, to, that's very good then point. you have to take very it good. off the market, and then it has to stay off the market right. for 30 days so you can get a refresh start. But, oh, but, you know, most realtors <laughs> know that game, and you, they go, they'll go in and say, well, it's not really 30 days on market. It was really on the market before. It's been on for 120 days. It's just you yeah, just that's a very good. Okay, you, you know what? Punch somebody in the okay, nose. Okay, so, so – you you've convinced me that I, that it's not always just that it's been overpriced. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Very good. So I'll conclude. With a <laughs> I mean, it's up. a good thing he's sitting across the table yeah, from me. He can't right. he can't reach me. Well, yeah, he's going to ring my neck. This has upset a lot of realtors. Yeah. This no pocket listing thing. And I'm wondering now what's going to happen to you know the the business model of websites like AALTO that Alto that have actually been oh, yeah. quite yeah. popular. In fact, I get. You know, I get emails or listings all the time just because I, I subscribe to it because I want to kind of know what's happening in the industry. And, and yeah. it's amazing how many Bay Area properties, in fact, it's said, I don't have these numbers, but this is what I'm reading, that 25% of the homes sold in the Bay Area are sold off the market. Wow. Yeah. That's, so, that's a big percentage. Right. Yeah, it's a that, big it was, number. It, yeah. So it sounds to me that the free market system is working yeah. just fine and didn't need the National Association of Realtors to come on board and say, this has to stop because the consumers are not being served. I, I think the market knows yeah. how to serve consumers. Yeah. Yeah. Good and by point. the way, I'm sitting between you guys, so you can both reach me. <laughs> That's, not good. That's okay. So You're a nice starting, guy. We, no sorry, one ever wants to ring your neck. Sorry for starting this heated conversation. Um, so where I was going with pocket listings and why it could be beneficial for, uh, for sellers is they want convenience. And that kind of takes yeah. us over into like the iBuyer space. Yeah. That space is growing because people want convenience. They don't want to, again, have people traipsing through their home. So they're saying, Hey, this iBuyer company, they're going to come and buy the home from me. I don't have to put it on the market. I have a you know guaranteed sale, and then I can move on to my next home. Is NAR going to be upset with the iBuyers? I bet you they are because yeah. you know they're going to yeah. say it's a threat a threat to the real estate agent. Yeah, and you're not you're not paying fair market value somehow, right? But it's a growing space. Yeah, well, you know, iBuyers are saying, listen, for the convenience. Um, we are, you know, asking for a bigger commission or a slightly lower price, you know, lower price. And, um, you move out and we'll do the rehab work on it and we'll list it on our own and sell it. Right. And we ran into at these, uh, at, at the NAR and some of these other, um, conferences we've gone to, Nam and I, we've run into a number of different, uh, iBuyer programs. They all seem to have maybe a slightly different twist to it, but they all start out with one basic concept is, Hey, we'll just 
we'll just we'll figure out what your home is worth and we'll pay you what we believe is a fair market price which is going to be obviously less than you would normally sell right. it for but you you save the commission um, and you don't have to go through the hassle but, of remodeling but, but it what's in it for, what's in it for the i buyer then well the i buyer is solving for a certain discount below market and what's interesting is Nam, and I don't know that we talked about this on a prior show but but the numbers uh, that that we were being told by one of the iBuyer companies was they were actually, if I had to guess what that discount was, I would say five to 10%. It turns right. out that it's much less than that. Yeah. yeah. But then how do they make money? They're going to flip the house too, aren't they? They're going to flip the house and maybe make up for it on, you know, the commission for selling it. Well, um, that's a thin margin. As you always say, Mark, you have to have a sharp pencil for that one. All right. We're going to cut to our next commercial break. When we come back, we're going to have an interesting email question that asks about your website for loans because you also have a fund. What's going on with that? All right. Here's our second trivia question. What is Peter Chris's persona named in the band Kiss? Hmm. So the band band is named Kiss, right? And uh, one of the band members is named Peter Chris. What's his persona's name? All right. Call 888-912-1190. Be the first caller with the correct answer. You're going to win that tanning certificate. Stay with us. You're listening to the best of investing. We are going to be right back. You're listening to the best of investing with your host, Edward Brown. For more information, visit bestofinvesting.com. That's bestofinvesting.com. More in a moment on AM 1220 KDOW. You're listening to The Best of Investing on AM 1220 KDOW. Once again, your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing one more time. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Hoff and Nam Fon of Pacific Private Money. Second trivia question, what is Peter Chris's persona name in the band Kiss? So he's the guy that made up like a cat, right? Yes. So is it, is it Catman? Catman. Instead of Catwoman, it's Catman. <laughs> okay, guys, we're going to move on to... Uh, your company, because you've got a lot of good information to share. We haven't even talked about what the deal of the week is. Uh, but an email comes in. It says, I understand you have a website for loans. Why do you have this as well as the fund or as a fund, actually? So when we started Pacific Private Money in 2008, and of course, you know, you put a website up and the website, you know, we were solving for two types of clients. One is borrower clients because we make alternative real estate loans to borrowers. But the other one was we're raising money and awareness for trying to create uh, and develop our investor database for those who like to invest in those loans. Because back when we first started the company, um, we were not flush with cash. And so we were brokering uh, between borrowers and those who liked to fund individual notes known as trustee investing. And we had one website and we had to figure out a way to serve both clients. Well, then a few years after that, I noticed that other companies were creating two websites. They would do a website that would be for borrowers and then a website that would be for investors. And we did the same. We had PacificPrivateMoney.com and we had PacificPrivateInvestments.com. And we tried that for a few years. And then we, you know, kind of discovered how difficult it is to have two websites and well, I want to interrupt you because the I think the the question has to do with your private money loans dot com. 
Is that, that were you getting to that? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> more clear about that. Okay. I mean, I have 37 URLs, yeah. so I mean, you got to be pretty specific here when you're going to ask me about my website. <laughs> 30, are you serious? 37? Well, pretty darn close. Listen, yeah. it's going to be a thorough answer. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So now we're back to, well, let me finish the, okay, at least the story that I was starting to, yeah. to tell, which is we've gone back to just having one website at PacificPrivateMoney.com, and it talks about loans that we do, and it also talks about uh, the, our fund that you can invest in. Now, um, in the last two years, we launched uh, a website, a separate website called Private Money Loans. Dot com, um, And I guess you're right. So if the, if the investor, if, a, if someone goes to privatemoneyloans.com to look at loans they can invest in, we do advertise the fact that you can invest in a fund. Now, what we've discovered over the years of working with in a lot, in a lot of private debt loans. investors. Yeah, it, it, that wouldn't be the fund. That would be individual investor, individual deeds of trust on private money loans. Boy, right? we're really good. This is, okay. guys, I'm sorry that we are so confusing yeah. you out there because this is just not good okay. radio. Okay. So well, why don't you ask me another question and I'll start over again. Okay. <laughs> okay. Why do you have uh, the website of privatemoneyloans.com when you also have the fund? So the Pacific Private Money Fund? Yeah. So, so privatemoneyloans.com is where we sell individual deeds of trust. So okay. whenever we have a loan that we're not going to put in the Pacific Private Money Fund, or maybe it's a loan that we've partially funded fractionally with Pacific Private Money Fund, but we want to raise more capital through individual investors okay. on that loan, we'll place it on privatemoneyloans.com. It's kind of like our multiple listing service for individual deeds of trust. But it's not a pocket listing. <laughs> no, it's not a pocket listing, no. no. For those who don't want to do open house. <laughs> yes. Well, you know what? I'll tell you, it kind of is because it's only available to our community that we're That's invited true. into. Ooh, it's not like anyone true. who just Googles, uh, you know, trust deeds for sale is going to find our loans. That, that's yeah. true. And, and you know, worth noting is that what we found over 12 years of originating uh, private money loans is that investors have different appetites. And um, those who have been investing in notes, participating in what we call trustee investing for many, many years, some, some have 15, 20, 30 years experience uh, investing in notes, those, tend, those, those people tend not to want to invest in a fund. Right, they like the control of investing directly in notes. Now, it's much more difficult today to invest in individual notes, even for a seasoned 10, 15, 20, 30 year note investor, because uh, there are so many funds out there and so much private equity available to purchase those loans that private individual investors who've been uh, maybe spoiled a little bit over the last uh, X years in, in getting high yields, you know, some as high as double digits, 10, 11, even 12 percent in prior years, they're not seeing uh, as much activity anymore. They're not seeing as much inventory because it's being, you know, gobbled up by um, uh, by funds and from other funding sources. Newer investors, on the other hand, um, who've, who've not invested in individual notes before, or maybe they haven't invested in an individual note in many, many years and they're getting back into it again, they're oftentimes, in my opinion, better served by uh, considering, strongly considering a mortgage pool fund because it has a lot of uh, benefits. Now, one might argue, well, I don't get to choose the loans you make. Well, that's exactly right. You do rely on the origination skills and underwriting skills of the firm whom is managing and originating 
funding loans for that fund. Well, at Pacific Private Money Fund, we've been doing this now for 12 years. We've done over $650 million worth of loans spread across 1,600 loans, and we have yet to lose a single dollar of investor principal. In fact, we've returned the note interest uh, on all of the uh, the promised note interest on all of the loans we've originated as well. So not only have we, not, not only have we not lost investor principal, we've actually performed uh, fully on the interest that was promised to the to every investor that we've uh, ever originated a loan on behalf of. So, I mean, that's a that's a pretty strong track record considering we were making loans in 2007, 2008, 2009 when the market was trending downward. Now, that being said, um, a lot of individuals still would prefer to invest in individual notes, and it's great to want, as I've heard uh, on other shows. But uh, just because you prefer that, you're just going to have to deal with the the, the marketplace fact that companies like ours at Pacific Private Money, we are now able to uh, take our borrower loans, originate them, close them with our own capital, and then sell them to hungry hedge fund and other institutional buyers at extremely low yield spreads uh, uh, approaching uh, uh, the mid to, to high 6% range. Whereas my you know, lovely trustee investors that I've been working with for decades, they squabble if they get a penny less than, you know, eight and a half uh, or 8%. So it's, it's, again, the market is um, very bullish today on, uh, on trustee secured uh, California loans. And so it's just, uh, it's the nature of the marketplace right now. And, and it's a very interesting marketplace. All right. When we come back, thank you very much for that. Uh, when we come back, uh, Nam, want to get to deal of the week. Because people are going to say, well, it sounds like you're doing these great loans, but give me an example of what you're doing. All right, here's our third trivia question. What was Tom Cruise's nickname in the 1986 movie Top Gun? Call 888-912-1190. Be the first caller with correct answer. You can win that tanning certificate. Uh, what was Tom Cruise's nickname in the 1986 movie Top Gun? All right. And again, when we get back, uh, audience, you're going to want to stay with us because deals uh, of the week are coming from Nam Fawn. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. For more information on today's topic, call Edward Brown directly at 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. The best of investing will continue in a moment on AM 1220 KDOW. Now, back to the best of investing with your host, Edward Brown, on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. One more time, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Hahn from Nam Fon of Pacific Private Money. What was Tom Cruise's nickname in the 1986 movie Top Gun? So I think you're slacking, Edward, because I've guessed the answer correctly on all three of these. It's Maverick. Maverick, yes. Nice. We always have to kind of boost your ego a little bit on that. <laughs> Usually I'm zero for three. That's why we had to boost your ego. Yeah. There's three. a new Top Gun coming out. Bat in the Is it really? Yeah, I think so. You, you realize if I didn't ask three easy questions, Mark was not going to come on the show anymore. So, okay. No, I'm good. Oh, <laughs> deal of the week. So, deal of the week. This one is in Granite Bay. It's actually a a investor borrower comes to us needing a loan for 822000 against a property value of like 1.1. So a 70% loan to value. Um, you know, oftentimes we on these deals of the week, we always emphasize some of the main types of loans we do, which are bridge loans. Um, this one, though, is interesting because it's a, it was a 1031 exchange. It was a reverse exchange. 
So, so he bought the property before selling the other one. Yeah. So, a regular 1031 exchange is when somebody you know sells uh, you know investment property, and then they have typically what is it six months mm-hmm. um, to identify a property to exchange into. Or forty five no, days, days, days to identify six months, six months to close. To close. Okay, yeah. there we go. It tells <laughs> you how many exchanges I've done. Yeah. Um, in this case, a reverse exchange is when they've identified the the other property first, the the property that they want to. Um, exchange into. Yeah. And uh, what they'll do is they'll come to companies like us. So we'd market to exchange companies to let them know, hey, when you have this scenario, come to us. It's kind of like a bridge loan. It's that uh, buy before sell, really the same uh, concept. Um, so this person came to us and it was a reverse exchange. We provided the capital and they'll pay us off once they sell their their first uh, investment property. So did you cross on, um, on this one, I don't know if we cro- we might have crossed against the exchange property. It doesn't look like we did. I mean, seventy percent—that's about the highest you'll go LTV anyway. Yeah, and the interesting thing about an exchange um, transaction is that the borrower is actually the exchange company, or, or oh yeah, and that's right. what makes it difficult for conventional right. financing or banks is because they're usually not willing to go outside the traditional boundaries of who the borrower is and um, we're, we're really more collateral focused at the end of the day so as long as we've got a valid uh, enforceable deed of trust on the property we can you know we can be uh, creative with who the name of the loan is yeah in fact i got a call from an estate attorney uh actually this morning where she was saying will you lend against an irrevocable trust mm-hmm and I said, I believe so. I said, as long as as long as the title insurance company will give title insurance and there's enough equity in there, sure. <laughs> as long as we can get a valid, enforceable lien against the property, revocable trust, irrevocable trust, all kinds of various entities, it really comes down to is it an insurable, can, uh, an insurable transaction? Will the title uh, company grant us the lender's policy of title insurance that we require on that, which gives us uh, foreclosure rights, among other things, and also um, ensures the validity of the person who ends up ultimately signing yeah. the loan docs uh, for recording? And as long as there's some kind of exit strategy... Because you don't want to be holding this loan forever. Right, right. And in this exchange, it should be, you know, in the next six months or so that we'll get paid off on this loan. Gotcha. What, so. uh, do you know what you charge them? What kind of uh, terms? I a believe lot. we charged, yeah, <laughs> 899. A lot. <laughs> Sign in the dotted line, a lot. <laughs> uh, 8.99 uh, on that and charge two points. Yeah, that's not outrageous. I mean, yeah. sure, it's more than Wells Fargo, you know, no, you know and Citibank and all those other ones at 3%, but... He needed the money from you guys. Well, good luck getting a three percent loan today. But you know, four percent is yeah. 4%. probably around the uh, you know the average thirty-year uh, loan today. Uh, if you can go through the long and arduous process of checking off all thirty-seven boxes that you have to be able to yeah. provide, and it's well worth it if you can get it in the long haul. But you know, again, people come to us because it's a short-term need. Generally speaking, uh, our average loans pay off in less than a year, so you know they don't actually pay the nine percent rate. If they pay it in often six months, your effective cost of that money is four and a half percent. Right. And our loans generally don't have a prepayment penalty. Again, we're kind of in the you know the bridge loan business, the short-term lending business. People use uh, our funds as a tool, and it's a convenient tool because it's much easier to uh, 
get accepted or get qualified for a loan from us and our documentation and, and processing is very, very quick. You know, we can close in five days. We can close uh, home loan, uh, home purchase transactions in two to three weeks. It's just, I mean, it's, it, we exist. We, we fill, if we fill a need and a void in the marketplace that conventional financing just isn't built today uh, to handle uh, because well, of Dodd-Frank restrictions and other uh, lending restrictions. Yeah, that, that's the main thing is that the, with the bank auditors fishing around the banks uh, a lot because of all the mortgage meltdown situation, these banks have to give an explanation as to why they make a loan. And so if right. anything's outside of the box and the auditors don't like it, they're going to make them hold back reserves. And then uh, holding back a million dollars of reserves costs them like $16 million worth of lendable assets. So it's not worth it to them to step outside that box. Yep. Yep. Plain vanilla. So one of the things that just to, just to pivot a little bit, um, did you get the impression, Nam, that going to these three conferences in the last 10 days that uh, people are pretty bullish about uh, the real estate uh, industry in California? Absolutely. <clears throat> it was uh it was interesting because it was three very different audiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, at the realtor convention, it was a lot of residential-oriented um, companies, and obviously real estate brokerages. At the two others, it was institutional. A lot of institutional Wall Street money, mm-hmm. a lot of um, really conventional-oriented um, audience was there. And they're very bullish. I mean, their outlook in the non-QM space in particular was that it's the, the growth is going to be I don't know. What, I don't want to say exponential, but pretty, pretty high. They say why? Space. Just because it's it's an underserved market. I'd say for mm-hmm. that type of product, it's underserved and it's something that um, is growing a lot. And also, I think there's some regulations that will be happening sometime next year that will affect. I think bank financing. Yeah, absolutely. And and so when the third conference, I think that's the one you're talking about, the, yeah. the non-qualified mortgage conference, also known as the non-QM <laughs> conference. And one of the things we learned at the non-QM conference is that they don't have a good name right. for their loan product. It's like, you can't, when I when you say non-QM to most people, they, they look at you like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So when you said subprime or non-prime back in the day, everyone knew what you were talking about. It was, you know, basically one of those aggressive loans where you only just had to put your name down and sign and, and uh, everything else could be, you know, bald faced lies. Um, those loans don't exist today. And so no one wants to call them subprime or non-prime, but it is still a non-agency a non-qualified mortgage. It's somewhere in the middle between bank financing and private financing. And it's where a lot of people, uh, I guess 50% of the loans they make in, in that arena go to, um, uh, self-employed borrowers. And there's a lot of self-employed borrowers in the Bay Area. The other thing that was interesting is, is Nam, you were hitting at this, is that in the last three years, loan volume in the non-qualified mortgage space has doubled and it's expected to continue to double annually for the foreseeable future. Well, what's the interest rate on those uh, non-QM? So they're typically as low as five and as high as, you know, hard money rates in the eights and the nines. Mm -hmm. So it's really, again, it's designed for people who don't fit in the box for a conventional mortgage. And they're not horribly priced if you otherwise um, can qualify um, uh, 
but you can't, you know, you don't have six months seasoning or you're self-employed, like I said, and, and, and you can still get really good rate loans, but it's also there for people who maybe have only a tax ID number and maybe aren't here legally, but uh, can qualify to actually buy a home. So they call those ITIN loans for tax ID number loans. So Ah, anyway, for more information about all of this stuff we've been talking about today, go to our website at pacificprivatemoney.com or give us a jingle at 415-883-2150. All right. Stay with us. The Best of Investing will be right back with some closing comments. You're listening to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. For more information, visit bestofinvesting.com. That's bestofinvesting.com. More in a moment on AM 1220 KDOW. You're listening to The Best of Investing on AM 1220 KDOW. Once again, your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Hoff. Nam Fon had to exit out today, but he spent a good time with us. I appreciate that. Uh, so, Mark, how, the fund, we're getting towards the end of the year. How well is the fund done? So we're still um, almost done with uh, the October numbers. It usually takes, you know, three to four weeks to uh, do the monthly accounting uh, as the fund's grown larger and it's now at $50 million of assets under management. It, it pretty much takes the, the full month uh, after the month to, uh, to calculate. For our fund administrator, we have a third-party fund administrator that uh, manages ours and other mortgage, similar mortgage pool funds. And it takes them about close to a month now to, to do the, the accounting. Um, so we should be seeing October here shortly. Um, but through uh, September 30th, we are uh, distributing, uh, making monthly distributions uh, for the year at an annualized rate of about 7.7. And that's actually pretty strong for a, an, an unleveraged, and that is an unleveraged yield, that's pretty strong for an unleveraged mortgage pool fund in California. Yeah, because other, so. other similar funds that we track and pay attention to that are very similar, uh, some are larger, some are a little bit smaller, uh, many of them are, are paying in the mid to low sixes right now. And again, that reflects the, the nature of the market in that the more conservative loans uh, are commanding a lower rate, uh, uh, even though it's you know still hard money or, or private money. Uh, and some of those rates, uh, rate pressures are as low as seven and a half, seven and three quarters percent, seven point nine. You know, th- traditionally that was never hard money. Hard money's uh, traditionally been double-digit money, 10, 11, 12 percent. You know, easy to, you know, to get, the, the lender of last resort, uh, but you got to pay, you know, 12 percent and five points for it. Um, today, it's a legitimized industry. Most of the companies from 20 years ago have long gone out of business uh, because they really couldn't comply with uh, the new Dodd-Frank regulations. But companies like Pacific Private Money, we've had to pivot and mold our business model to be compliant and basically take a different approach. Instead of being the lender of last resort, where we are the, the lender of choice for people who uh, d- either don't qualify for bank financing or, and this is more than you would expect, people that just don't have the patience to, to go yeah. through what it takes to get bank financing. And that's typical of, say, construction loans, remodeling loans, and even people who just 
invest in real estate. If you want to capture the property and make a cash-like offer, the way to go is private money. You're just not, unless you've, unless you're already independently wealthy and you've got a lot of real estate equity and you can get a, you know, a a great line of credit from your favorite regional bank. um, You know, that, that obviously that that's going to give you a lot of options, but for the majority of us who invest in real estate, you know, we don't have multi-million dollar lines of credit at, at 5% uh, to pull off of. Um, you know, we have to look for other financing sources or equity. And um, equity is expensive. Equity means, you you know, you're, you're getting your friend's money or people you know, and they're going to expect double-digit returns. Uh, uh, I know a lot of equity investors who, you know, won't roll out of bed for anything less than a 20% return on their capital. And hey, it's great. Uh, and equity has its place. But for debt, uh, which is one of the um, one of the preferred ways to acquire real estate in today's marketplace, uh, you know, seven and a half, eight, nine percent money, depending on how you acquire the property, that's uh, that's a great, uh, great way to go. So, so for more information, because uh, again, your fund is paying uh, for seven and a half percent, that's pretty good. It how is. People get hold of you. Yeah, and I didn't get a chance to say how we can, how we can, uh, in a competitive market space, how we can produce uh, the mid to high sevens. Um, for more information on that, because we do have an answer for that, and it's a good one. Uh, give us a call at uh, Pacific Private Money four one five eight eight three two one five zero. All right, and here's our thoughts for the day. You don't stop laughing because you grow old. You grow old because you stop laughing, mm. and. I'm exhausted. I just did 100 sit-ups. The fact that I did them over 40 years doesn't diminish that accomplishment. (laughs) Come on, guys. Give me a break. All right. uh, Tune in next week to The Best of Investing. Why? Because we're going to be giving away more free prizes for answering trivia questions and giving you more information on the Pacific Private Money Fund and other economic business of the day. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm Edward Brown, wishing you the best of investing. So long. You've been listening to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. And join us again next week for The Best of Investing on the Bay Area's business leader. AM 1220 KDLW. This radio broadcast is in no way an offer to sell securities except where applicable in states where we are registered or where an exemption or exclusion from such registration exists. Information discussed during this broadcast, whether stock quotes, charts, articles, or any other statement or statements regarding market or other financial information is obtained from sources which we believe are reliable, but we do not warrant or guarantee the timeliness or accuracy of this information. Nothing in this broadcast should be interpreted to state or imply that past results are an indication of future performance. There are no warranties expressed or implied as to accuracy, completeness, or results obtained from this broadcast.